Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning, everyone. So how many of you have had a time in your life when your heart was really set on something? Let me, let me give you a couple examples. Um, I remember when I was first out of high school, I had my heart set on being an English teacher. Hadn't had much experience with it or knew what it would be like. Nonetheless, I could picture myself being up in the front of a classroom. I had that sense of what it would be like to, to be educating young people. In fact, if you asked me about it, I could probably give you a layer of detail that would be astounding about it. So have there been times in your life when you've had, really had your heart set on something? Well, today we're talking about the brave and the brokenhearted. And I will tell you that often when we have our heart set on something, we're setting ourselves up for that brokenhearted situation. And I'm going to talk about that in some length. We're using Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, and her thesis, of course, is that it is through that being vulnerable, through that process of taking risks and even falling now and then, that we rise strong, that we're actually able to overcome some of the obstacles in our life and find true success. And so today we're going to talk about that that feeling of falling uh, when our uh, dreams, if you will, have been dashed, when our expectations have not been met. And expectation is where she says, this whole brokenheartedness starts. And so of course, I have a lovely joke for you. So a fellow who had been married for 10 years was consulting a marriage counselor. When I was first married, I was very happy, he said. I'd come home from a hard day at work. My little dog would race around barking. My partner would bring my slippers and we'd have such a lovely evening. Now everything's changed. Now when I come home, my dog brings me my slippers and my partner barks at me all evening. (laughs) Well, I don't know what you're complaining about, says the counselor. Seems like your expectations are still being met. (laughs) Okay, on to expectations. (laughs) Now, some of you might be thinking, well, expectations, you know, they sound a lot like intentions, don't they? When we have an idea of some new expression we want to make in the world, some progress we want, whether it's a new job or whether it's a new relationship or maybe we, we want to uh, embark upon a new career or some new educational option, right? And we kind of hold that, don't we, as a little bit of a, of a goal or something that we want to achieve. And so, so why is that different than an expectation? If expectations are apt to bring us heartbreak, um, what about intentions? What about our desires? What about some of the the heartfelt dreams that we have, are those not okay? Here's where Brene Brown makes a little bit of a difference, if you will, between the idea of an expectation and the idea of an intention. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking there. First of all, expectations. Are they always bad? Are they always difficult? There's a couple ways of looking at expectations. And, and I'll, I'll give you an, an example of maybe an expectation, a, a way of looking at them that you don't want to repeat. 
So when I was, uh, I, th I was trying to figure out how old I was. I'm guessing five, six, seven. And my very best friend, who's, uh, yes, his name was Murph, I, kn I know. O only, only in the 50s and 60s could you have nicknames like Murph. Uh, so there you have it. He had a birthday party. And Murph had the interesting capability of living right next door to the fairground. In fact, his backyard uh, bordered on the fairground. And so we got to his birthday party and, you know, we're doing the things that, that kids do. And suddenly it was revealed that his back fence opened up onto the fairgrounds and there were going to be pony rides. Pony rides. Now, I, I realize this might not mean the same thing to everyone in here, but when I was seven and had never even seen a pony before, the idea of pony rides, oh my gosh. Okay, so that was in July when the fair was on, and it probably wasn't that difficult actually to arrange pony rides right next door to the fairgrounds. My birthday comes in December. <laughs> Can you imagine my expectations, right? It's like Murph's parents loved him dearly and he got pony rides. <laughs> my birthday comes around and I got cake. <laughs> so, so that is the idea of expectations that are almost going to doom you to heartbreak in a sense. It was probably five or six years of birthdays <laughs> since I actually started enjoying them again when I was a kid because always in my head was this expectation of being something over the top, something being just outrageously phenomenal. And I know that oftentimes we put ourselves in the position of expecting that kind of results. So my thought is, when we've got it all planned out to some level that is probably beyond reality, that's going too far. Now how is an intention maybe a little different than that? What can an expectation light, if you will, look like that's actually a healthy one? I think it's the idea of allowing God to take care of the details but you have the, accent, the sense of the experience that you want. So, so for instance, what are birthday parties about? They're having a good time with friends and family. That would be a perfectly reasonable intention, right? It's my birthday, I'm gonna have a fabulous time with friends and family. Now, could it take the form of ponies? <laughs> Absolutely it could. And wouldn't that be a sweet surprise if that's the form that it did take? But do you see if my intention is no more than a sweet time with friends and family, I'm not going to be disappointed when it isn't ponies. It will simply be an exciting and lovely time meeting my intentions, meeting my expectations when the family's there and we enjoy some cake and maybe take in a movie or something, right? So it's that, it's that zeal for, for really having a vivid idea of something over the top that's in the trouble here. 
Let me give you another example. Um, so when I uh, first graduated from high school, I knew that I was going to be an English teacher. And it was so formally in my mind, and I, I told you a little bit about that. And I got as far as teaching uh, at South Eugene High School, uh, doing this, the student teaching piece of it. And, uh, and oh my gosh, I had it visualized in my head, the whole thing, right? And so two days into uh, student teaching at South Eugene High School, um, the, uh, the coordinator doing the student teaching things pulled me aside and said, uh, uh, sorry, but this just isn't really working out very well. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking to myself, oh, well, maybe it just means they're going to put me with a teacher I like better. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was my last day of student teaching. And I will tell you, it derailed me that idea of heartbreak we're talking about here, it derailed me to the extent that it took me a whole nother year to graduate. I mean, I literally just had student teaching and I think maybe one or two classes to finish up my degree, right? But it derailed me with this expectation, this idea of what my life was going to be like. It completely derailed me like for a full year. So how can we approach, once again, this idea of expectations in a reasonable way. I think we don't have to go any further than the idea of it being the aspiration, the idea of that end picture of how we'd like to show up in the world. I mean, some of you know you've been in my classes here. I may not be teaching high school in South Eugene High School, right? But that dream of teaching is still alive. I love the teaching I do. Do you see how we could approach these ideas with a more open-ended idea of how it's going to be? Frankly, I would even challenge you that if you have a narrow idea of how you're going to accomplish your goals in life, you may actually be missing the best parts. Now pl play along with Larry here for just a minute. So. When we know exactly, uh, so, so we'll, uh, back to student teaching, and, and then I'll let it go. But I had it figured out how I was going to get student loans. I had it figured out uh, what classes I needed to have in order. I mean, the very first day I was on campus, I got that big catalog out and literally had four years of classes planned. I mean, what, first of all, if any of you... <laughs> If any of you have been to U of O, the chances of getting even your first year's classes that you went, it like approaches zero, right? But in my head, it's this whole gigantic plan. Do you see that if I would have simply held on to the idea of being an educator, I would have had a much better outcome all the way around. As it was, it was like every term I was struggling. Oh no, if I can't get that, then how am I going to do this? If I can't get that student loan, how am I going to do this? Years later, I found out that they actually had a scholarship designed just for people like me who couldn't really afford but wanted to be in education. They had a series of, I didn't even know that because in my head, it was like I get this student loan, I do that, right? It's like we miss all the availability of the universe when we start locking our vision in into a very narrow view of exactly what's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen, and the outcome.
Now, I do think we need to have plans, and that's where that aspiration uh, comes into being. That's where setting a good intention is there, because it allows you to simply take the next step, right? So when you know that you want to end up being an educator, when you know you want to end up being a musician, when you know that you want a better job or, or you want to have a different kind of a relationship, and you, you have that vision, that heartfelt feel, feeling of the experience of having it, then you just go, well, does doing this, does making this choice take me a step closer or does it actually have me take a step back? And so we can use a vision as that compass, that vision uh, can draw us forward into taking the appropriate steps. But do you see, it's the step in that moment, not some plan I made 10 years ago that may not make any sense anymore. I'm actually looking outwards, seeing all the possibilities and going, oh, this is the next logical step. Oh my gosh, over here, this is the next logical step. So we're not disappointed. In fact, we can be delighted because we're working with the possibilities of the universe. So Brene Brown says, though, there are three pieces to being brokenhearted. So one of them is expectations. One of them is having expectations that are unreasonable, not useful, or too narrow. The second piece, though, of being brokenhearted is, guess what? It's the disappointment that follows. But I want to ask you something. Who's disappointed and who created the disappointment? I mean, a lot of times when we're disappointed, we want to put the blame out there. We want to say, well, it's that stupid school for not letting me schedule the classes. It's that, it's that evil woman from South Eugene High School that for, <laughs> for some reason didn't love the fabulous Larry King when he was 23 years old, right? It's her fault. <laughs> but whose fault is it? We set up the expectations we're the one having the disappointment, right? So guess what? The third piece of being brokenhearted, that's when then the disappointment builds into a resentment. When you really start then resenting the, the forces out there, right? And we can name them all, <laughs> friends, family, you know, you name it. The people at school, the people at work. We start having resentments around the people and the institutions and the reasons why my expectations <laughs> aren't being met. But do you see the fallacy of this? It's still me, I'm the one that created the expectations. I'm the one that's feeling disappointed because of them. And I'm the one that's building up resentments against people who are simply doing their thing in the world. Brene Brown also talks about a specific kind of heartbreak, and that is when it has to do with other people. Uh, and that's the more traditional sense of heartbreak when maybe a love affair goes wrong or when a, a relationship ends or, uh, or, or when we're, we're left feeling uh, empty uh, from the loss of, uh, or the perceived loss anyway, of love in our lives. And, and there, she says, it's particularly dangerous because oftentimes some of our strongest um, sense of the way things should be 
are around relationships, our expectations of what a marriage should be like, our expectations of uh, perhaps completely unreasonable expectations around how couples can be and how friends can be and how families ought to be. Those are expectations that are so very hard to, uh, to ever meet because we assume that everyone has the same values that we do. And I, I gotta tell you, right from the get-go, you're wrong. Everyone has their own set of, I mean, I would like to say that most of us have common values, but who knows? It's probably not, even that is probably an overgeneralization. Each of us are motivated by a different set. Now, now some of them are certainly compatible. Don't get me wrong. I'm thinking, in fact, that most of our values, the things we hold dear to us, are certainly compatible in the world. But some people will place career way above family. Some people will say family and children first. Some people will say, you know, this is about me having fun in the world. It's recreation that comes high. That's where my health is. That's where my joy is. Shouldn't joy come first. I mean, everyone will have their idea of what's important. And in a relationship, when we have expectations about how the other people should show up, whether it's a partner, whether it's a family member, we're saying, well, it's that, we're probably not saying it, but what is perceived is, you're wrong. You're not meeting my expectations. This is what a family should be like. This is what a relationship should be like. And so even though you may not say the phrase, you know, you're not up to snuff, that's the impression you're giving when you have expectations around how other people are supposed to show up. So once again, and we're not used to thinking, I don't believe, relationships in these terms, but how can we diminish our expectations and still hold that light for love? I mean, we want to be loved. We want the joyous experience of being in a, in a, a friendship, in a, in a family, in a, in a one-on-one long-term relationship. We want those things. We want love. Can that then be our intention, and we loosen up the details. Are you with me on that? So maybe it will come in this certain kind of specific form that is a marriage that lasts for 35 years that where you know people are, are, are monogamous. I mean, it may pan out that way, but do you see if that's what your heart is set on? How likely is that? to outplay in that exact kind of 1950s television, you know, it's not really that likely. Are we not setting ourselves up for heartbreak? Yeah. So I'm all for the aspiration. I'm all for the idea that love will be mine. And I would say even have some details in your own mind about what it feels like, how you like to be treated, right? The, the you part of it, let's have a good idea of how you show up in it, right? What love feels like to you, how you treat someone uh, that you love dearly. Let's work on those elements of it. But let us not try to lock down what the other people are supposed to be because they're supposed to be the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> All right. 
So I have some homework for you and then, uh, and then a little more talking about this. First of all, the homework is, well, part of it's simple, part of it's not simple. The simple part is simply to connect the dots in your own life around a time when you were disappointed. See if a previous disappointment that you'd have isn't tied to your expectations of what should have happened. And, and here I'm just looking at that, that, mental, uh, that mental connection. Here's what happened. I felt terribly disappointed. It broke my heart. And here were the expectations that went with it. So that's part one. I, I think we all have an experience like that, that we can, we can connect the dots. But then what I would like you to do, in particular around relationships, because that is the source of a lot of our heartache, is to pick a relationship in your life, one that is maybe not going as well as you would like it to go, and analyze it for your expectations. Are your expectations reasonable? Are you, in effect, asking someone else to be something or someone that they're not? Okay, make sense? Okay. So people expectations, we need to begin decoupling those three elements of expectations, disappointment, and resentment. If we're creating all three of them, I'm here to suggest we can stop that at any three of those points. And it will mean that we're less likely to experience that heartbrokenness. So we can stop the expectations, right? We can let go of overly analyzing exactly what should happen, what we're expecting, the way the relationship should be, the way other people should be. We can let go of that. That's one place we can stop this. The second place, though, is in the disappointment itself. We're creating that disappointment. We can take a look at what happened and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's not disappointing me. He's not disappointing me. It isn't this situation or this school or this counselor or this job that's disappointing me. I'm the owner of this disappointment. And I can choose to feel it deeply if that's useful. But I can also choose just to let go of it and know I'll try again. Know I'll have a more, uh, shall we say, looser reins <laughs> on my ideas of what should happen next time. And then finally, the last part of it, I would hope with just this realization would be easier, easy, and that's to stop the resentment. Our disappointment does not have to turn into enmity for someone else. They're just being them. So first, let's, let's bring back the expectations. Let's reel them in into something that's reasonable, something more like just an intention for, for how you'd like to be in the world. We'll reel that in. We'll take a look at the disappointment. Okay, I'm disappointed. Is that a function of what I set up here? You know, what level of disappointment is enough for me to understand there's a learning experience here? And then finally... Any resentment, gosh, any resentment's almost got to be a resentment against myself. Do I need that? Huh. Okay, so let's summarize, and then I'll give you a, a quote and a prayer. So what breaks your heart are your expectations. If you really think about this, whether it's a love affair whether it's uh, a work situation that did not turn out the way you had your heart set on, 
All of these issues that cause heartbreak are really based on your impression of a fantasy, of an idea of how things should be when you're not in control of how things should be. So consider having expectations around the experience and not all the little details, especially not the how it's going to happen. We know God has an infinite raise uh, to create newness and, uh, and good things in our lives. Let's turn the how over to God. And then finally, remember that you are in control always of your feelings. You're in control of the expectations. You're in control of the disappointment. You're in control of the resentment. You can choose differently. You can choose to react differently. You can choose to have a different set of feelings around these things, in particular, once you realize that you are in charge. So a quote from uh, Brene Brown. She says, often stories of falling are threaded with sadness, frustration, or anger. They're describing something that, for some reason, just didn't turn out the way we'd hoped it would. We need to examine our story for phrases like, I had my heart set on it, or I counted on this happening, or, or I just thought it would be mine. If expressions like these show up, we might be struggling with disappointment. Here is what you need to know above all about disappointment. Disappointment is unmet expectations. And the more significant the expectation, the more significant the disappointment. The way to address this is to be upfront about our expectations. We need to take the time to reality check what we're imagining will happen and why. Let us pray. There is one power of, of everything in this universe, uh, the power of love, the power of light, the power of joy, of peace, of goodness, of abundance. And, and what I know about this power is it goes by many names. I, I choose to call it God. And what I know about God, especially on this day, is that it is the power of love. And so out of love, I recognize that my own relationships are what I make of them. I recognize that uh, the people I encounter and the, uh, the joyousness with, with which I approach others is a direct result of, of what I myself put into it. And so when I have outlandish expectations, I, I will get outlandish results, and they're not apt to be welcome. When I see my life unfolding, I allow God to take care of the details. I, I have my mind on that end goal, that end experience of joy, of peace, of, of happiness, of, uh, of a wonderful job or a wonderful relation. And I simply know that it is my job to take the next step, to allow the, the ways and the details and the hows, uh, to allow that infinite presence of God to find the best solution to come up with new ideas, to, to move me closer and closer if I'm but willing to take that next step. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person within the, the hearing of my voice can choose to make expectations that are reasonable, can choose to, to not be brokenhearted or disappointed when our own expectations are not met. <coughs> <coughs> Rather, just to simply see it as a, another instance of making a good try and moving on. 
And so for this, I'm grateful. Uh, for this, I recognize that, uh, that there is always progress in the world. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here with us. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.